Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist, a confidence boost before your interview, or a last-minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When people find out I'm a doctor, they somehow feel really comfortable telling me things they would never really bring up with strangers. So I hear a lot of crazy stuff. And then there are the distant acquaintances that send me questions. I hear from you know, close relatives, close friends, friends I've never really talked to in 10 years. Even my mom's bridge partner's niece sent me a question. I've never really minded because I always learn something from the questions I get. But now that I have my own podcast, I warn people they can ask a question, but they may end up on my show. Today, I'll share three stories. The first about lip licking, the second on bedwetting, and the last on baby masturbation. So keep listening and send me the questions you're too embarrassed to ask the doctor. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. My first anonymous question will be dramatically read by guest assistant co-host Andrea from Miami, Florida. My eight-year-old daughter has this dry ring around her mouth. I thought it was eczema, so I gave her a bunch of lip balm, but she just kind of licks it off. I constantly remind her not to lick it off her lips, but she just can't stop. So then I try putting tons of Aquaphor in her lips, even at night when she's sleeping, but it really hasn't gotten any better. I feel like I've tried everything. What else can we do? It's gross. What she's describing we call lip lickers or lip licking dermatitis. You can tell that's what it is if there is a relatively sharp edge between the normal skin around the mouth and the dry or cracked area closer to the lips. It has to be in the areas where you can tell the kid can reach it with their tongue. This kind of dry skin can happen anywhere on the body where there are frequent alternating wetness and dryness. So kids who suck their thumbs can have this. I've also seen it on the feet of kids who might sweat in their socks and then they take their socks off and their feet are dry and then put them back on and they sweat again. In fact, one family I saw had two daughters and they both had cracks and fissures on their feet from what we would call irritant contact dermatitis. In other words, the sweat was irritating their feet. And we know there actually is a genetic component to kids who do get these cracking on their skin from wetness. Skin cells are made of proteins on their surface, and there can be a mutation in one of those cell surface proteins that can make a person more susceptible to the skin breaking down whenever it gets wet. Skin surface cells are called corneocytes, and they can actually bind three times their weight in water. Their ability to bind water is related to the amount of fats or lipids that sit on the skin surface. So you may have heard of ceramides, which are some of these lipids. We know that the ideal humidity in the environment is 60% to keep skin moisturized. And we know that corneocytes actually break down if the humidity goes below 15%. 
or if the lipids or fats on the skin are removed by getting wet or from a lot of soap. When corneocytes are broken, they make the skin look dry and cracked on the surface. And when they're broken open, they release inflammatory chemicals and those cause the redness that you see. You need to do a few things to get this back under control. First, you need to heal the cracking and you need to restore the water and the lipids or fats that are on the skin surface. So whether this is from chronically licking your lips or from sucking your thumb or from repetitive hand washing or even from sweaty feet, you have to look for a couple of key ingredients in any treatment that will heal the skin. So there's really three classes of ingredients you wanna look for. The first class is called humectants. And those are substances that pull water down into the skin. So examples of these that you may have seen on products are urea, alpha hydroxy acids, glycerin, sorbitol, and lactic acids. And sometimes you may have had one of your kids complain that they feel burning when you put like a moisturizer on their skin. And these are the substances that cause the burning. The only one that doesn't is glycerin. So you want to look for products that have glycerin in them, but you may want to avoid products that have urea, alpha hydroxy acid, sorbitol, or lactic acid. And I'll put these all in the show notes. The second class of ingredients that you want to look for in a moisturizer are what we call emollients. So those are substances that fill in the gaps between the cells and they seal in water. So you always want to apply this right after you've washed while the surface of the skin is still a little bit moist. So these are substances like lanolin, mineral oil, ceramides, dimethicone, coconut oil, and any other plant-based oils. I know I've seen almond oil, for example. Then the third class of ingredients is called occlusives. These form a protective layer to prevent water from coming out of the skin. So examples of these are shea butter, petroleum, beeswax, and paraffin. You want to look for a moisturizer that has the right combination of all these ingredients and doesn't cause burning. Usually by the time I have seen a kid, the parents have already tried a lot of lip balms and a lot of moisturizers or aquaphor. And sometimes they've even tried my first tip, which is to apply this while the kid is sleeping. So for some kids, this works, but for others, it doesn't but we've got a lot more in our arsenal for this problem. I've got a list of products that you can try that have been recommended to me by other pediatricians. So for treatment, one of our favorites is called Dr. Dan's Cordobalm. So this is something that mixes an emollient, like one of those things that seals in the cells and fills in the gaps, and that mixes it with hydrocortisone, which is a steroid, which is gonna reduce inflammation. Alternatively, if you can't find this product, you can just mix over-the-counter hydrocortisone with any lip balm. Another one that people have recommended to me is A&D ointment, which is a diaper cream. But a lot of people think that this is really healing on those dry, cracked lips. Another option is just pure lanolin. And then my last suggestion, it can be kind of hard to find, but it's called Bepanthin. That's a brand name for a group of products that contain this magic mixture of moisturizer. But the thing is they add some antiseptics to it as well. So if you get a lot of redness or you think it might be an infected skin area, then try this Bepanthin. And of note, I know that kids are going to lick the moisturizer off of their lips, and that is fine because any accidentally ingested moisturizer is not going to cause any problem except for maybe greasy poops. So now that you've healed the skin, you also need to prevent your kid from continuing to lick. And one of our favorite projects for that is called Control It. It is a moisturizer, but it also contains ingredients that give it a real bitter taste. So that should help prevent a kid from licking their lips. Another option, if you can't find this product called Control It, is you can just get regular nail biting preventative nail polish. It tastes real bad. And if you just dry it and kind of grind it up, you can mix it with Aquaphor. And that works pretty well too. 
then if you have a kid who you just can't get them to stop licking their lips or biting their lips, just make them wear a sport mouth guard. Have them wear it at the times when they tend to lick their lips and that might prevent them from being able to. And then lastly, it is fine to bribe your kid. You can bribe them with whatever you think is going to work. Tell them not to lick their lips and you'll get them some prize. And if you really need to, you can always ask your pediatrician to tell the kid they can't do it anymore. And sometimes kids will listen to their doctor more than they'll listen to their own parent. You can find a link to all these products in the show notes. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Our next question will be read by another superstar volunteer co-host, Ryan from Temecula, California. So my six-year-old son has been potty trained during the day for at least like three years, but he still has really wet diapers at night. I know bedwetting is not a big deal, but it kind of overflows and gets into his, his blankets and stuff. And I'm just, I still end up doing so much laundry. Is there, is there anything else we can do? He's right. This is not a big deal. If a child has never been completely dry at night, we don't worry about it at all. But if your kid's been dry for more than probably three to six months and they start wetting again, then it is something that you need to talk about with your doctor. But most kids, they tend to have a couple of wet nights a week for months to years after they're potty trained during the day. And and that's not a big problem. For the heavy wetter, regular pull-ups were not designed for nighttime. These are actually training pants. They're meant to be easy to pull on and off, and they're not great at absorbing liquid. So what you want to do is look for nighttime diapers and any brands that you can find. Pediatricians tend to think that good nights bedwetting underwear are the best for big kids, but you can try any other overnight brand. Every company has one, and the trick you can use here is to double them up. So put one on and then cut a slit in the diaper in the area that tends to be the heaviest in the morning and then put another diaper on over it and so you will leak out into the second layer. Why does some kids wet and others don't? This is really actually very interesting and it runs in families. There are really two components here that lead to bedwetting at night. The first is that kids don't always feel the stretch on their bladder and it doesn't send a signal to their brain to wake up. So this does run in families. So eventually a kid will develop their nervous system so that they'll feel that bladder stretching out and they'll wake up. The other thing that's really interesting is that adults don't make as much urine at night as kids do. There's a substance in your brain called antidiuretic hormone. And you don't always make this until you're a little bit older. What antidiuretic hormone does is it makes you not make urine at night. 
So this is something you can actually take as a pill and it's called DDABP. Bedwetting is only a problem if it's causing self-esteem issues for the kid or a lot of family stress or anger about the wedding. The other issue is that if a kid wants to go on a camp out or do a sleepover, they may need to get treatment for their bedwetting. And there are a couple of options. First, you can do bed alarms and you can just look this up anywhere online or talk to your doctor about it. They don't work great and they're a lot of work for the family. So the other option is to take that antidiuretic hormone that adults make and take it in a pill form. It's called desmopressin or DDABP and you take it about an hour before bed and it tends to work really well. It makes a kid not make as much urine at night and so they can tend to hold it until the morning. So you can talk to your doctor about these options. Our last question is one I haven't had any patients ask in the clinic, but I do hear often from friends who bring it up outside the clinic walls. So I think this is a common issue at a lot of ages, but one that people don't always talk about. So I've got a doozy for you, Dr. Hunter. My husband and I went to the parent-teacher conference last week, and she's three, so we didn't expect it to be too in-depth. Well, the teacher is using words like sweet and smart and all of the things that you really want to hear as a parent. But then she pauses, and she's like, we really need to talk about this one thing, and I'm sure that you've already seen this and know, but she masturbates. <laughs> Which is like the most hysterical conversation to have in a parent-teacher conference. And I don't even think we had any idea what to say, but it's to the point where they've actually separated her at nap time <laughs> because they can't get her to stop and... So then we have to tell her like, yes, this is something we noticed right after we took her diapers off around what, age two, two and a half. We had read up on it at that time, of course. And really respecting this teacher because she was just like, I want to make sure we're aligned on how we're reacting and how you want us to react. And so our rules at home are your hands have to be clean and this is something that you do in private. But clearly she's not just doing it in private because she's doing it at daycare at nap time. And so I guess my question is, is it normal? What are the things we should be telling her because we don't want to demonize masturbation? But at the same time, she can't just be doing this everywhere. <laughs> She's doing all the right things by not making this a big deal with her daughter, but at the same time, setting limits about where it is acceptable for her to masturbate. I had one friend whose daughter liked to rub herself on the edge of the slide in their outdoor play gym, and that wasn't an issue until they, they had a family barbecue, and then it got a little uncomfortable. What's more odd than this scenario with the three-year-old at daycare is that even really young infants can masturbate, and sometimes parents even mistake it for a type of seizure. Like I said, it's not very common for me to have parents ask me about this. And I don't know if it's because the parents are embarrassed. So I asked my colleague, child neurologist Michael Zimbrick from UC San Diego, whether he sees this in his office. Yes. Another thing that we see, just saw one last week, is this thing called infantile gratification syndrome, which is a really polite way of saying masturbation. 
it is again considered a normal child behavior. All the child knows is that it kind of feels good. And if they do it again, it still feels good. And if they do it again, it still feels good. And that's essentially all that they're thinking of. They don't have all of the same taboos in their head that we do as adults. But the usual appearance is something that involves leg crossing, something that involves movement of the pelvis or the lower back or the bottom. And it is often accompanied by these facial expressions or holding of the breath or even a bit of sounds of straining or grunting. It can be distracted. Parents can redirect the child's attention, maybe pick them up or move them, and it'll stop. The kid may go back to it because, again, it feels good. And when things feel good, you have, you know, an incentive to keep doing it. But it is something that we see. We tend to know exactly what it is when we see it. We understand that it makes parents worry. But hey, it's it's a bit bit odd. And, and I always preface my statements by saying, you're going to think this is weird. You're going to think I'm maybe a little bit nuts, but I've seen it many times before. This is called gratification syndrome, which is a polite way for saying masturbation. And just in case you were worried, these children do not grow up to be sexual deviants. They don't grow up to do weird things in public or be exhibitionists or anything like that. It's, it's a thing that comes and goes and, and kids grow up fine. Masturbation or gratification syndrome can be a tough thing to talk about. But if your child is doing this at a young age, it gives you a really good opportunity to connect with them and open the door so they'll trust you to talk about sensitive topics in the future. If your child's doing this, you can just simply explain, I know it feels good, but it's a private thing. So you can only do that in your own room or you can pick another place in the house. Anyway, the child in this question was also probably using masturbation as a way to soothe herself to fall asleep. So it would be a tough thing to take away from her because she kind of needs it. I recently had a really interesting case of a seven-year-old who came into the clinic. She came in twice because she had vaginal irritation. And of course, at first they thought maybe she had a urinary tract infection. And I ruled that out. And she continued to complain about having vaginal pain. And so I thought maybe she had just straightforward kid vaginitis, which we see a lot. It's just irritation in the vaginal area. And oftentimes it can just be from using a lot of bubble baths, something like that. So our treatment that we always recommend is just to take a nice bath, maybe with a little bit of baking soda in the water for soothing, and then pat the area dry and then cover the whole vaginal area with diaper cream. So she went home and she did this, just like I said. And two weeks later, she came back and she still had the exact same problem. She was still complaining to her mom that it hurt when she peed. I went through my usual thing again. You know, I ruled out a urinary tract infection. Then I started going down my laundry list of things that can cause vaginal irritation. So I said, are you taking bubble baths? No, she wasn't taking bubble baths. I said, are you wearing tight tights? Nope, that wasn't it either. Then I said, are you sitting around in a wet bathing suit a lot? And she said, no, I always change out of my bathing suit. But her mom chimed in and said, yeah, she goes in the hot tub every night. And then the seven-year-old perked up and said, yeah, I love to put my vagina on the bubbles part because it tickles. So I do that all the time. And so the mom and I just both stared at each other, daring each other not to laugh. And we finally got the solution. We knew why this girl was having vaginal irritation. And it was from masturbating in the hot tub. Sometimes you need to know what questions to ask. Kids are really different from adults. And it would be really strange for an adult to uh, like lick their lips to the point they caused a rash or 
to wet the bed or to masturbate in front of other people. These common kid issues can be solved when you understand why they're happening. You've got to understand the developmental level of the kid. And that's when we can find some really good parenting hacks to solve these problems. Send me your questions. Even if they seem stupid or you're too embarrassed to ask in your clinic, you can contact me on my website or follow the link in the show notes. And you'll hear more from neurologist Dr. Zimbrick in the next episode. So be sure to follow or subscribe so you don't miss the episode. For more from the pediatrician next door, find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com. If you've got a question about the weird things kids do, send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. I'll be back next time with more.